Welcome to Betrayal Trauma Recovery, BTR.org. I'm Anne. I'm sure you remember what it was like when you were searching for help, maybe for your husband, hoping to find the right program or therapist. That's why I started podcasting. I supported my husband through seven years of pornography addiction recovery, and not one therapist during that time told me I was experiencing emotional and psychological abuse and sexual coercion. I didn't want any other woman on the planet to be in the dark. If you're like the majority of my listeners, you're experiencing the type of abuse that's invisible and difficult to wrap your head around. Your husband is using porn or having affairs or lying to you, and you're getting the same bad advice about how to improve communication or your relationship. If you need support from women who totally understand, check out our daily group session schedule at btr.org group. We'd love to see you in a session today. One simple anonymous way to help spread the word is to click, follow, or subscribe to the Betrayal Trauma Recovery Podcast on your favorite podcasting app. While you're there, every five-star rating helps make this podcast more visible and will help save other women from getting the wrong kind of help, like a couple program that will make this type of abuse worse. For those of you who follow or subscribe to this podcast, thank you so much. Your support means so much to me. Michelle Donnelly and I are going to finish up our conversation today. If you did not hear our last two episodes, make sure you go back and listen to those first so you're introduced to Michelle and you're brought up to speed with our conversation. We're just going to jump right in. One of the things that victims of abuse or even even sheroes, sheroes who have pulled themselves out of the depths of abuse and they're making their way to safety feel is not very confident, right? Because a lifetime of abuse or years of abuse has really kind of messed with our brains and our psychology and just the amount of doubt that we have in ourselves from emotional and psychological abuse is pretty extreme. And so we're learning to trust ourselves again. We're learning to trust our intuition again. There's so many things that as a victim of abuse, you're learning to do either again or for the first time. So in what ways can moms be confident in raising their kids, even in a less than ideal situation? Yeah, I love that you pointed to the fact that there's just a whole lot of doubt. There's a whole lot more than is normal for moms to experience. That there's the normal like, oh my goodness, am I messing it all up (laughs) that every mom experiences. And then with abuse, there's this added layer on top of it. And it's the inability to discern sometimes what is even going on and sometimes it's a paralysis of not knowing what to do and the first place I feel though getting towards confidence is giving yourself grace to know that that's that's the boat you're in right now and it doesn't always have to be that way well it doesn't necessarily just because you're there right now doesn't mean you're always going to feel that way or that if you do feel that way you're always going to feel powerless about it there are so many wonderful resources, wonderful people that can help you in your journey. You're not doing this all by yourself. And for me in climbing out and figuring out how do I raise my kids with this different life, this life I didn't intend for us, I had such wonderful people that were just dropped into my life that had walked the road before me that could show me what this thing was supposed to look like. And it didn't mean that 
everything was going to be exactly cookie cutter that, okay, well, they just did this. And so I can do that. You know, sometimes it's, it's reading books or, you know, like we have a private Facebook group through Agape Moms called Beloved Collective and it's moms sharing the things that they're going through. It's sharing their, you know, legal troubles or discipline issues or whatever the case is. And, but in that you realize, oh, I am not alone. I'm not the only one who feels like this. I'm not the only one whose kid is doing this or whose ex is doing that. And so much confidence starts to come when number one, your experience is being, being validated and you're being heard and you see that many people are going through similar things. But number two, when there's just so many ideas around things you could do or avenues you could take. And that I think is so empowering to say, there's actually more than one way to walk through this, that though I may not get it perfectly, we're all in this together kind of thing. And I think one of the things that happens when you're coming out of this kind of situation is you you feel very isolated and sometimes you've been isolated. So self-isolating is kind of a normal thing and forcing yourself back out and learning how to trust people can be hard. But I'm so thankful actually that, you know, we're in this digital age where there sometimes depending on these virtual groups is not good because it's not really the connection that we need. But sometimes it's also possible to sort of hang out in a, a, a private group or something like that or hang out in a community. And even if you're not contributing all that much, you can still learn a whole lot by what other people are contributing and what they're going through. So when you think about what is the practical step, how do I start to do this? You know, I've talked so much about working through your own healing journey, and that is a big piece of that. And God brings the ultimate transformation for us as we walk through these things with him. But one of the very practical ways that we experience that is with other really wonderful, safe people around us. We've seen that a lot at Betrayal Trauma Recovery and Betrayal Trauma Recovery Group. It's awesome because there's not like one right way to do it. There are principles that are true principles, right? Using boundaries to detach and keep safe, self-care, a network of support. Anyone who's worth their salt in recovering from abuse will tell you those things. I mean, those are really important tools, but sometimes implementing it is hard and how you're going to implement it in your own life is hard. And so being part of a group And hearing how other women are doing it or even hearing other women and realizing, oh, that doesn't sound like it's working. You don't have to say that out loud, but at least you can hear like, oh, okay, I don't want to try that. It's really cool just to be able to share what's happening with you, hear what's happening with other people. And then also the freedom to choose what you want to do. Because a betrayal trauma recovery, we don't recommend any particular life decisions What we do put as the top priority is safety, emotional safety, sexual safety, physical safety, and how you go about doing that is up to you. And I think women need the support of a community without the dogma of a community. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think the thing that is so critical about what you're saying is I think of this as like the style points, you know, it's like well, she did it this way and that doesn't really fit my personality, but she did it this way. And there's just so much in recovery that is about finding your own voice and you're making choices for yourself and making a path. 
And so many of these things we're talking about, like you said, boundaries, for example, it's perfect example. Boundaries was so hard for me. And I didn't realize that I didn't have any, <laughs> you know, or not any, but I didn't realize that mine were so porous, you know, and I would look at other women and be like, oh, no, that's so abrupt. I don't like the way that they're doing that. And in the midst of getting to know different people, though, it was like, oh, but, you know, that style kind of works for me. And it's rediscovering. And actually, I don't even like to say rediscovering because I don't know if we ever really knew ourselves to begin with sometimes with these things. But it's discovering in the midst of this who you are, what your unique voice is, and how you're able to assert yourself in these instances. And it's just so empowering. I'm like feeling juiced up as I'm saying this, you know, just to start to recognize how much agency that you can have in these situations. And that's what makes a lot of these things as we're talking about, you know, emotional distance and gray rock and, you know, all these different other tactics. It's what makes them come to life when you start to figure out your own voice. Real quick before a response, there are a lot of so-called betrayal trauma therapists or coaches or groups out there but they don't approach pornography use or infidelity as an abuse issue, or they try to quote-unquote treat both the abuser and the victim in the same setting, which is unethical. So if you hear something in this episode you relate to, check out the group session schedule at btr.org group. We'd love to see you in a group session today. Now back to our conversation. And now back to our conversation. Your podcast is titled The Christian Single Moms Podcast. And from a Christian perspective, here at Betrayal Trauma Recovery, we're interfaith, interparadigm. So we have atheists who listen, we have agnostics and all different denominations of Christianity, Jewish women, everyone is welcome here. Can we conclude with talking about some of the Christian myths, I would say, or some of the unhealthy cultural ideas in Christianity that harm women and that keep them stuck in abusive relationships? Sure. I think one of the things we have to separate out, and this is not just when it comes to the topic of abuse, but there's so many different areas, is not always do people reflect the heart of God perfectly. And people, whether intentionally or unintentionally, can hurt each other with the banner of the gospel being what they are using to justify their choices or their behaviors. And we have to piece that apart from the heart of God and recognize that there are some things that maybe a woman's been told, maybe she's witnessed, maybe she's experienced, she's been raised up in systems, you know, all these kinds of things that don't necessarily reflect the heart of God. And I think one of those things is so often there is this sense that whether the husband or ex-husband, partner, whatever, whomever he is, the abuser, that so often women are receiving advice. And sometimes it's really well-meaning, but sometimes the advice is, you know, you just be the best that you can be and this person will change. And biblically, the word says that God hates abuse. He hates it. In Proverbs 6, you can go read through there. It says that there's seven things that God hates, and it lists off lying lips and hands that shed blood and, you know, all these things that if you really look at them, they are the behaviors of an abuser. Adultery, right? Lust. 
if you look at, there's a passage, and I'm going to mess it up right now because it's not sitting in front of me, but I believe it's in 2 Timothy 1. But Paul says to Timothy, you know, in the last days, people are going to be lovers of self. They're going to be abusive. They're going to look like they have godliness, that they're going to portray godliness, but be totally lacking its power and that we should avoid such people. And I think that's what a lot of people misconstrue, you know, when we see how do we practically live this out as Christians versus what's in the Bible. There shouldn't be a verses, <laughs> you know, for reading what the, the Bible says. Those are pretty clear statements to say that you need to get away from somebody who's abusive, someone who is using spiritual means to manipulate other people. And Paul thought it was so obvious and so dangerous that he thought to write to Timothy about it before he passes off his ministry to him. And so we should take that same warning and we should understand that this is something that a community of believers can be a place where there's great healing, but with that there's vulnerability. And with that then comes great manipulation from people who would use it for selfish gain. And so the intention in in our communities should be to offer safety and vulnerability and to make sure that we are very clear about rooting out what would seek to come in and take advantage of that. And I think that's one place where that's not always the message that people receive that are in, you know, abusive type of circumstances. I think it's in the church when you talk about evil, right? Or you talk about wolves in sheep's clothing or something like that. You're thinking about it as someone outside the church who's trying to like lure you away from the church or trying to like influence you to not live the commandments or something like that. And it's so infrequent that anyone addresses evil in the church or in your own home, right? Yeah. And the Bible says that Satan will masquerade as an angel of light. And so we need to recognize that, yes, can there be people from the outside trying to come in and infiltrate the inside? hundred percent. But do they also exist on the inside out? Also, yes, 100%. Right. And, and it might be in your own home, right? Mm -hmm. That's right. And so we have to recognize, though, and, and Jesus goes through the steps in Matthew 18, that we are called to see it, call it what it is, and address it. And if it's not going to be met with real, genuine repentance and change and remorse, that we're called to move ourselves away from that and to get to safety, that that is a completely biblical way of handling an abusive situation and all of that is designed to keep you your life is precious to God and keep you very much fixed in the center of his love and his protection for you and that this person then is also they're accountable to God at that point that there's only so much you can do in trying to walk with somebody and when they are so resistant and they don't want to see the truth that we're called to move ourselves away from that so that they can go off and walk in their own path and that God has a fully separate experience with them. And that may involve all you know sorts of consequences and those kinds of things, but that God does desire safety for his people, does desire for them to flourish as he had designed them to be. He, he desires each woman in this instance to become the woman that he had designed her to be and not sacrifice that 
for the sake of a person who's not willing to turn their lives over. Well, they're essentially sacrificing it to evil almost, which is sad. And women think of it as sacrificing themselves to something better, right? Because they're trying to protect their families. But the reality of it is they're not sacrificing themselves to something better. They're sacrificing themselves to abuse, which is not the better way. And calling it evil is so important. If the Bible says God hates it, we should hate it. If it says it's evil, we should call it evil. It's not a bad behavior. It's not bad manners. It's not short temper. It's not any of those things. It is a method of evil. All of these things that are considered abuse. And the scriptures don't say abuser. The scriptures use the word wicked. I'm loving that word. Right. So in Proverbs, very often, yeah, you'll see the word wicked, mocker, sometimes fool. But if you go through, and Proverbs uses a handful of different words to describe people who do these things. But in all of these instances, it says to get away. It says if you rebuke a mocker, that they're going to abuse you. So that says you're not always going to have the ability to have a reasonable conversation with this person. Sometimes your separation, your distance, your movement away from this person is the communication that if they are going to open their ears, that is meant for them to be the thing that changes it. But if not, then it's certainly meant for you to gain some distance and some safety because it's much more likely that they're going to influence you than you are going to influence them. Well, and we know that victims of abuse, we really are and can suffer from betrayal trauma, which changes the way we think. It changes our brains. It changes our, the chemistry in our bodies. So many women are suffering from health problems and depression and other things. So this it's a really serious issue. And I'm so grateful that you came on today's episode to talk about this. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for coming on today's episode. Again, her website is agapemoms.com. And you can find her at the Christian Single Moms Podcast. If this podcast is helpful to you, please help us reach other women by following or subscribing and giving us a five-star rating. Thank you for helping other women find us. If you've already purchased a copy of my book, Trauma Mama, Husband Drama, please circle back and give it a five-star rating. A lot of women are searching for books about betrayal trauma on Amazon, and rating Trauma Mama will help them find this podcast, which is free to everyone. Your donations keep this podcast going. Go to our website, btr.org, scroll to the bottom, click on support the BTR podcast. And until next week, stay safe out there 